Amen. Good morning. Good to have you with us as we worship God here today. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom, and we have a couple things going on around here. Just a couple. Like, yeah. I mean, it's Christmas. Yeah, no big deal. We do this every year. Um, so, let's see. If you are visiting with us, or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of cardstock in your bulletin. We will follow up with you accordingly. Uh, you can drop it in the bucket on your way out, uh, but uh, we would love to know what's going on in your life and how we can be in prayer for you and your family. So please communicate with us. Uh, we also have uh, our website and our member portal that you can click through our website to find, and you can find each other there and update your information and all that good stuff. We encourage you to stay current. And let's see, if you are joining us by Zoom and you have little ones, we have sent by email our uh, lesson plan for today for Hope for Kids, so I encourage you to check that out, and you can follow along with the sermon series that we're starting today, along with your little ones as we celebrate the Advent season. To that note, starting Tuesday night, this Tuesday night at 7 on Zoom, you can zoom in to our Tuesday night Bible study. We're going to do four segments in December on the, the birth narratives in the Gospels. So there'll be four studies of birth narratives in the Gospels that will take place starting this Tuesday, going for four Tuesdays in December, and then we will take another break until January. But uh, there's that's been... Uh, the Tuesday night thing has been well attended and it keeps us connected to some people who can't be here in person. So I uh, encourage you to zoom in and be part of that if you can. Let's see. We have youth group rocks and they will be meeting for their Christmas party on Sunday, December the, the 12th at 4 o'clock right here. And then we're going to deliver the blueprint Christmas items that, that are donated by you that Sunday, our youth will take them down to our Blueprint families. So Blueprint, in case you're not aware, is a, it's an urban ministry here in San Antonio that serves homeowners that live at one and a half times the poverty level or lower. And we go down there every summer with our youth group, and we work through this ministry uh, to fix up homes and just bring a little bit of joy and Christian hope to those families. And it's mostly through sweat equity that we invest in this ministry. And so um, then every year at Christmas, we have the opportunity to go back to the families that we served the prior summer and bless them with a few basic things like blankets and what else is on that list? Space heater, a robe, yeah, things like that. And, and we're, we're going to do, we've got two families that we served this past summer. So we're just doing two blueprint families this year. And we're going to give each of those families a ham and then a few little kind of basic gift items. So those you can sign up for that on our through our website. You can find the Blueprint Christmas and give to one of those things. It'll click you through to a Google Sheet, I believe. And then you can place your name next to the item you'd like to bring and participate that way. We also have an uh, opportunity to bless our sister church or the pastor and his family at our sister church in Cuba. They will, uh, well, he, Miguel, Pastor Miguel, will be here a week from today, and he and I will be 
sort of preaching together. I'll, he'll, he'll be preaching. I'll be telling you what you need to hear in English. Um, and, uh, but uh, then we are collecting items to give to him, to take back to Cuba with him. This is really hard to explain if you haven't been there or you don't understand the situation that our sister church has been in for the past year and a half, but their island has been completely cut off from the rest of the world, and they are like, so Miguel was in the States last December, and I sent him some of our support money so he could buy some things, and he forgot to buy Tylenol. So every day since then, when anyone in the family has a fever or a hangnail or whatever, his wife reminds him that he forgot to bring Tylenol, right? And, and so, but just to think about life somewhere where the, something as basic as that, that we don't even think about being out of supply, and they're just laughing at us when we ran out of toilet paper. They're like, we've been out of toilet paper for 15 years. Like, we don't know, what are you complaining about? Um, but uh, just the, the sense of isolation, the, the scarcity of goods. So we're going to bless him. That Google Sheet can also be reached through our website. I've also emailed links to those of you who are in our system. Uh, but feel free to click through and put your name next to some items that you would like to supply. And uh, we will bless them in that way. He will be here a week from today. And uh, then we will bless him and send him off. Also, one week from today after the service, we're going to break down for lunch for the first time in a long time. And we will have seating outside if you're more comfortable with that. But uh, we're going to have some individually arranged items that you can select for lunch. Um, and uh, we're going to try to do this in a, um, as, what is it now, Omicron? Omicron, yeah, the Omicron variants. We're going to do this. We're going to get together before that comes here. We're going to beat it to the finish line, hopefully. But uh, we're going to just try to have some fellowship. And then if, if, the, if the vibe is right, we're going to just spend some time in prayer in small groups at the end of that lunch and just do what we've always done at Hope in the past. And so we're hoping that that will be a blessing to all of you. You are encouraged to come. We will be ready for you. And you don't have to bring anything. We're just going to have, I think, some individually wrapped sandwiches and bags of individual bags of chips and individual drinks. And we're just going to do it that way because I think we can do it that way. So any questions, comments, snide remarks? What am I forgetting, Lois? Youth group, Christmas party. December 12th, we're going to deliver Christmas presents, we're going to play laser tag on our way back, and then we'll probably do something that involves Jesus once we get back here. But, you know, it's, it's youth group, so we don't know. RS, we need RSVPs. So is this what you meant when you said sending out a Google Talk to RSVP for main event numbers? That's what you wanted me to say? So please, if you're a youth, 6th grade through 12th grade, will you please let us know if you're coming to the Christmas party. We need to be prepared in terms of numbers. Um, all right? We're good? Okay.
Well, let me, um, let me just offer a time of prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word. I'm going to pray for uh, at least three people. I just want you to know, of course I'm going to do the children's chat. I am getting old. You're one to talk. Um, if I could have all of the important people in the room, just the important people, come down to the front. If you are in fifth grade or younger, we, have invi- we are inviting you down for our children's chat at this time. Good morning. How are y'all doing? I'm glad you're here. I know. Think how boring this church would be if y'all weren't here. I love it. So... Let's see. Do you any do any of any of you know the first book of the Bible? Esther. The beginner's Bible. Well, the first verse of the Bible starts with in the beginning, so you're not wrong. You're right on you're on the right track. We call that first book of the Bible the book of Genesis. Yes, ma'am. You read the whole book of the Beginner's Bible? That's awesome. Can I just get a fist bump out of that? All right. Yes, you probably heard her reading it. It's okay. You're a silent reader now? Okay. I still read out loud. And I put my finger on each word. That's my speed reading technique. So the first book of the Bible is the book of Genesis. Do you remember the name of the first man and woman that God created? What was it? His name was Adam. Her name was Eve. Yeah, very good. And so Eve was married to Adam. She became a mommy, right? And then it was her third son that God extended the promise through. His name was Seth. I'm not going to make you guess that one. All right. But I want to read this to you, and then we'll talk about Eve a little bit. This is from Genesis chapter 3. It says, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So two things there I want you to see. First of all, that Adam and Eve had made a mistake. They had sinned, right? And they had to face the consequences of that. But God covered them he covered them it says that he covered them with the skins of animals he took care of them so even when you make a mistake God still loves you he still forgives you and he covers you he's got you covered does that make sense all right and then the other thing is that Eve is called the mother of all living right so God had given a promise to Adam and Eve that Eve would be the mother of one who would come who would crush the head of evil. Who do you think was descended from Eve who ultimately came and defeated evil in this world? Who do you think it was? I think it was God. I do too. And we have a name for when God was born as a human. Yes. It was Jesus. Right? 
Very good. And which is always the answer to the question at the children's chat. All right. So God made a promise to Adam and Eve, and thousands of years later, Jesus was born to fulfill that promise. And we are told that Jesus was born in Bethlehem to fulfill God's word, and Jesus was the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. That's pretty awesome. So the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God fulfilled a very, very, very old promise to his people when Jesus was born. And we celebrate the fact that God is faithful, that he loves us, that he has us covered, right? All right. Can I pray for you before you go to Hope for Kids? All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these precious children, for the gift that they are to our church, to our lives, to our families. We pray your blessing upon them as they study more of your word and hope for kids. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all have fun. It's a fun one today. And you get super, superwoman as your teacher today. All right, now I'm going to pray, and when I do, I'm going to pray for three people in particular when we pray for healing. Uh, I'm going to lift up uh, Yolanda Clifton, whom many of you know and love, uh, who's recovering from surgery. I'm going to pray for Josh Johnson, who was in a car accident way back in the beginning of July, and he's still going through some uh, recovery, some healing of from the, that trauma. But he's doing really well. I'm very pleased about his progress. But we're going to continue to pray for him. And we're going to pray for Yvonne Moreno. Yvonne is uh, Dan's sister-in-law. And her husband takes care of our facilities. His name is Roger. And his wife is in the hospital. They've found a uh, probably a late-stage mass somewhere in her body. And we're just going to pray for healing and for God's peace and care over her and her extended family in what is a very difficult time for them. So I'm just going to tell you who we're praying for, and I encourage you when we get to that point in the prayer to just lift up in your own heart the people that you know and love who are in need of healing and grace and peace at this time in their life, and so you are encouraged to participate that way. Let us pray. God, our Father, we come before you as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, that we would be more free to encounter you here through your word today, and we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts, that we might know that you are faithful, that you are all-powerful, that your love uh, redefines who we are. And so, Father, we lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained. We pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick, who are recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we pray your healing mercies upon your people. We lift to you Yolanda Clifton. We just pray your continued healing of her 
post-op. We lift to you, Joshua Johnson, and we thank you and praise you for the progress you have made in healing his body thus far, and we just pray your continued mercies and graces and healing powers over him. We lift up Yvonne Moreno, and we pray, Father, that you would pour out your healing mercies upon her body. We pray your peace over her, her husband, her family, and all of her loved ones, that your grace would be the defining trait of this uh, trial that they are enduring together. Lord, draw each person in that family closer to each other and closer to you as a result of what they are walking through with her right now. We just pray again for your healing mercies over her. Lord, we um, lift before you this nation and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. We pray your blessing, your wisdom, and your discernment over them and the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform who serve and protect this country, and we pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. We pray for those who are separated from their families during these holiday seasons as a result of their service, and we just pray that you would keep them close to one another, close to you as they are apart. And Lord, we uh, lift up your church here at Hope and around the world, and we thank you for the blessings that we enjoy as your children and the opportunity to come together in your name to worship you. We pray that your word would continue to go forth through your people and that it would not return to you empty. We lift to you those churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving, and we just pray your blessing over them. We lift up the churches that are being planted in Texas right now, in Katy, in New Braunfels, and in Austin, and we just pray your continued blessing over those young works of your spirit. We thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray that you would fill us now with your Holy Spirit and lead us through your word into a deeper understanding of your love for us through Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. All right. So we just finished a series of messages called Ditched, and we were exploring that place where we often find ourselves in life, where we feel alone, forsaken, uh, in pain, in despair. And we were looking at different people throughout the scriptures who found themselves in that place. And we were exploring the ways in which God moved redemptively toward those people in their times of difficulty. And now that it's the season of Advent, Advent is the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas Eve. And this is a season where we explore themes like hope and peace and joy. And so we have sort of shifted the series to the women who are in the lineage of Jesus. They're, they're notated either in one of the genealogies in the Gospels or by association with their husband. Um, but we're looking at the women who make up that lineage of the Messiah. And we're looking at them through this lens of their difficulties, the ways in which God moved through them to preserve and extend his promise in the world. Uh, we started, uh, this, this light came on for me, uh, I don't know, it was about a year and, year and a half ago. When, when did we do Run Through the Bible? Was it just a year? 2020. 
Was this year? Of course it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, just say it again, Mike. I'm getting old. Oh, was that you, Carl? Okay. All right. But you were quick to repeat it. All right. I see, I see what's going on here. Um, <laughs> I don't remember either. Yes. So we, we did a series called Run Through the Bible. And I think the thing that stood out to me, so we, we just did like the whole Bible in about five months, something like that. That's all, just the whole Bible. And, uh, and so we were just kind of speeding through and doing overviews of each book or section of Scripture. And the thing that stood out to me when we, when we made that sort of dash through Scripture was the, this series of miracle moms that appear in Scripture at all these pivotal times in redemptive history and these women have strength, they have faith, they have a connection to the, the redemptive story that I had never really noticed before. And so this Advent season, we, we thought it would be good to look at these some of the women in the lineage of Christ, some of these miracle moms and the ways that they contribute to the story of redemption. And so, of course... You have to start that with Eve, I think. That's probably the right place. Um, and I want to invite you in. I'm going to read a whole mess of scriptures right now. Um, but I'm going to start in Genesis, and we're going to read that, that story that occurs after Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm going to pick up there and read through that part of the narrative in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read some excerpts from Genesis chapter 4, and then we're going to jump all the way to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read the bookends that are before and after uh, the genealogy of Christ as it is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. So that's a lot, and we're going to be like kind of all over the place in a sense, but things I want you to look for are the, the journey that Eve is, takes through these passages from being in paradise in, in direct and beautiful communion with God and with her husband. Imagine that. Um, and uh, then to see how she is moved from that place as the result of sin to a place of being exiled from the garden and then what she goes through as a mother over the next uh, few years and then to see the way in which God reaches out and, and restores hope to her. Um, I, that's what I want you to be looking for. Is It's just... I want you to think about these passages in terms of Eve's journey emotionally and spiritually from that place of perfect harmony to this into this tumult of disharmony and then the ways in which God moves to restore and rebuild and, and extend his hope to her. So I'm going to begin in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 9. And then the, the rest of the scripture references will be behind me as I read. So just... That's how, that's how I'm going to have you keep up. So, Genesis 3, beginning in verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Then further in the chapter, after Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden it says in verse starting in verse 20 the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the of all living and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed clothed them and then in Genesis chapter 4 now Adam knew his Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain saying I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord and again, she bore his brother Abel. And then later in chapter 4, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then later again in Genesis chapter 4, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. And then jumping to the Gospel of Luke, I said Matthew earlier, my apologies. Jumping to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. This is just before the lineage the Jesus of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. And then continuing to the end of the genealogy, Luke 3.38, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So I think what may be most often missed in the narrative of Eve is what we may call her triple grief. Um, she's in the garden, she's in perfect harmony with God, with her husband, with nature, with the world. And then 
she's deceived and she eats and her husband who was with her also ate and he was not deceived he did it willfully um and the rest is history as you might say they are expelled from the garden god comes and and curses the serpent and delves out consequences to the woman and to the man and eve faces a new reality where she is now expelled from that place of harmony and she is in a place where disharmony discord violence will play out before her in a mother's worst nightmare where she loses not just one son but after Cain slays Abel, he is expelled from that region of the world. He has to go start over somewhere else. And Eve loses both of her sons to that one act of violence. Did you notice in the consequence that God explains to Eve that all of her pain is relational. It is all born out through the people closest to her, her children and her husband. Any of you who may be married, I do not need to explain to you what it means that you might not be of one mind with your husband that marriage is not a state of perpetual bliss, but rather it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a climb that, that's worth it. Don't get me wrong. But it's just, this is no small, easy thing. And God explains to Eve that harmony that you had is gone. And you and your husband are going to be at odds at various times in your life. And, and children, pain. <laughs> Again, worth it every bit. Every bit. But children, pain. From harmony to disharmony to a place where the people who mean the most to you will be the sources of deepest grief for you. God understands exactly what Eve was transitioning into, and he tries to prepare her. And then reality plays itself out in her world as her two children fall into discord. One of them resorts to violence, and she loses both of her sons. And <coughs> As we just sort of pause in that triple grief of exile and the loss of two sons, we wonder, what, what is God doing? What does he want her to know? How does he want her to live? And into that void, God blesses her with a third son. His name is Seth. Seth 
comes from a Hebrew word that probably means like set in place. And I would, I would argue the best way to understand his name, if it's just a silly way to say it, is just reset. That God is, is, is taking the consequences of sin in the world, and in relation to Eve specifically, he is resetting. He resets her place as a mother. He resets his promise to her. That through her, hope would come to humanity. And it's not through her firstborn or her secondborn. It's through her thirdborn. Through Seth, the reset. So what I would like us to do is just spend some time in Genesis chapter 3 and understand what God wants from us here. And I'll I'll summarize it this way. He wants us to give him our sin. This is not a comfortable subject. No one likes to talk about their sin. Um, But I want you to see what God does here. He calls us to yield to his pursuit of our souls. So Adam and Eve mess up. They eat of the fruit they were told not to eat of. And do they go to God and say, hey, I messed up, please forgive me? No, right? They do what almost any human will do in the wake of their sin. They, they hide, they try to cover themselves, and they deny and they blame. I love Adam's blaming Right? Like, this woman that you gave me, fingers are pointing in every direction but one. It's her fault. It's your fault. You gave her to me. She made me do this. Whatever. Um, There is nothing more disappointing and devastating to the feminine heart than a man shrinking away from his responsibility. When we do this as men, we devastate the people around us. And Adam just dumps it on his wife. God looks at us. He comes to us. He brings us out of hiding He is pursuing us in spite of our sin. We are to come out of hiding, come before him, acknowledge our sin, and stop shifting blame. So the interesting thing about the difference between Adam and Eve's responses, Adam's just throwing blame everywhere. Eve actually builds a case a legal case by explaining to her creator that this was an act of deception, right? And God says, you're right. And he turns immediately from her words to the serpent and says, you are 
cursed. He doesn't curse Eve. He doesn't curse Adam. He curses evil. And then, in the, in the wake of the curse, he issues what seems to be a rather cryptic promise that evil will clip the heel of Eve's descendant, but that that heel will crush the head of evil. And so, if we just stop there, in the devastation of the wake of their consequences, Adam and Eve, through God's words to the serpent, have a promise. There's a hope. There's something that God has said that means that good will ultimately prevail, that evil will not be the final say in our reality. But I want you to notice God pursuing Adam and Eve. He comes storming out of the cloud to them. And he calls us to come out of hiding and stop shifting blame, to yield to his pursuit and to yield to his love. What compels God toward Adam and Eve is love. He cares about what they have done and what they are going through and how it is that they can be redeemed from the state in which they have placed themselves. And so God calls us to yield to his love, to know that he loves us in spite of our sin, to cling to him in the consequences, and to cling to his promises. God explains to Eve the people closest to you are going to cause you the most pain. This is a new reality. And then, as he ushers them to the edge of the garden, something happens. He slaughters two animals or more. We don't know how many. But he takes those skins and he covers Adam and Eve. As if to say, as you step into this new reality where evil reigns where the prince of this world, the serpent, will rear his head, I want you to know I have you covered. I've made a provision by the blood of another being for you to be safe. And so, again, the promise is a little bit cryptic here. It's a little bit shrouded. But this is, this is what Adam and Eve have as they step across the threshold of the Garden of Eden into the world where evil reigns. They have a promise and they have a gesture that involve blood and the covering of their bodies. As if God were saying, there will be, there will be one that I will provide who will be the ultimate covering for your souls. And so, the first thing we see in Eve's journey is this call to give God our sin. And then, we see in Eve's journey the call to give God our pain. To be real about life. To, to be honest with God. To know that he understands our pain 
He understands relational conflict, and he understands grief. Eve has lost everything except for the husband who blamed her for his sin. She has lost everything. Her world has collapsed. And God moves toward her not to replace Cain and Abel. That's, you can't do that in a mother's heart. It doesn't work that way. But he moves toward her to say to her, listen, I made you a promise, and I am faithful to keep my promises. I told you that you would be the mother of hope. And I'm not done. And so Seth is born. God hits the reset button for Eve. And again, he's not removing her pain. He's coming to her in the midst of her painful reality. We're to know that God understands our pain and that God moves in the midst of our pain when all seems lost he always moves toward the restoration of his promise. He always moves us toward the hope that is ours in the one who would fulfill his word. And I realize that I repeat myself every Sunday morning. That I stand before you and I tell you about the cross and God's grace. And I, then I get back up the next week and I tell you about the cross and God's grace. I, I'm a broken record of sorts, and here's, here's why. I've yet to go through a week of my life, much less a day, without a deep and abiding need to return to the foot of that cross to understand that the love of God, the profound grace of God, and how desperately I need that. We need the gospel, the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. We will never stop needing that as long as we have breath on this earth. There will come a day where our, our need will be fully met. We will be at peace eternally. But until then, just like Adam and just like Eve, I, I'm stumbling through this life just like you, and I don't always do it well. And so I must come back to that cross. And it is there where we see God in his pain that we can be free to bring him our pain. There is something about the, the work of God, the plan of God, that is brutally unafraid of pain. God's love 
his grace is greater than our pain. And so we are to give him our sin. We're to give him our pain. And we are to return to our Redeemer. To look to his fulfillment. I'm now focusing in on these passages in the Gospel of Luke. Right before Luke gives the genealogy of Jesus, he, gi- he gives us the account of his baptism. And I love how connected these two realities are. It is a reminder that we are to look to the fulfillment of the promise that God has set before us in Jesus Christ. He is the descendant of Eve. He is the fulfillment of that promise that God made in the garden. And he is the convergence of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Trinity. Here, in this moment, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are together. They are expressed to us in a way they are not anywhere else. That the Father is speaking over the Son, the Spirit is descending upon the Son, and God says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This is the focal point of redemptive history right here, where the lineage of Eve is before us, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit converge in one moment to punctuate human history with this event. We are to look to Christ's fulfillment, and we are to look to our Savior, to trust in God incarnate, the God who became flesh, who dwelt among us. And we are to rest in the atonement which he will provide. The, The name Christ, I'm sorry, the name Jesus, Christ is the, is the Old Testament word for Messiah. It, it means that those who saw him at the time he was alive recognized that he was the fulfillment of God's promise to Eve. He was the promised one, the anointed one. The name Jesus simply means God saves. It's a Jewish name. Uh, we pronounce it Joshua. Uh, Joshua in the Old Testament, his name meant God saves. Jesus had the same Jewish name, and it means God saves. And it takes on a whole new dimension in the person of Jesus Christ. That not only does God save in some ethereal way, but God saves in a very personal way through one human being who is God himself. And so this point of fulfillment, I kind of wish like Eve could have seen this. Thousands of years after she heard that promise, 
the Messiah appears. And God converges Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one place at one time to say this is Him. This is our hope. And when He offers His life on the cross, that is our salvation. That is where we as human beings become completely and totally equal. It's at the foot of that cross that no human is better than any other, that we are all humbled and brought to our spiritual senses to know that we are God's children, we are forgiven, we are loved, we are redeemed. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we are humbled by your word, by the ways in which you have worked in the hearts and lives of your saints for millennia to direct us to the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Father, remind us of how desperately we need your grace each and every day. Help us to return to your cross, to look up, to see your love displayed before us through the sacrifice of your Son, that we might be renewed, restored, and that our hope will be rekindled each and every day, that you are the God who pursues his people even in the face of our sin, your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name we pray.